The Real Estate Sessions is brought to you by FIRST. FIRST knows that a real estate professional's most valuable asset is their relationships. A strong personal network is the moat that can guard against any industry disruption. But there is never enough time to nurture your network the way you want to. FIRST powers top agents with artificial intelligence to spotlight the people who are most likely to sell. This brings focus and attention to make important connections when it matters most. Learn more and request a free demo at first.io. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, how successful you are, how old you are, how young your mentor is. None of these things matter. You need somebody that you can spitball ideas with. You can ask questions to, you can check your own motives. You can check your liabilities, your legalities. There's just, there's things that your own eyes will miss. And it's who of you to make sure you have somebody in your pocket who can look out for you and help you along in those things. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice for real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 146 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow. Uh, it's, it's very exciting to, to keep bringing people that are doing cool things in the industry uh, to a place where other people can find out what they're doing. So thanks again for listening. This week, no exception. Very excited. I'm uh, recording this episode live with my guest down in Estero, Florida, just between Bonita Springs and Fort Myers, south of Cape Coral, for those of you who know the area. And today I'm talking to Sheena Reagan. Sheena's with Milof Abishan, maybe Milof Abishan, she'll let me know, Realty Group. They're a, a, a brokerage here in town. And I know Sheena because we used to work together. We actually worked at Fidelity National Title together. She was one of our, uh, in our escrow office in the uh, South Fort Myers area. She has done the unthinkable. She's actually moved into real estate out of title, which is very rare. We're going to talk about that. She also has a little side gig we're going to chat about quite a bit. But let me, we'll get to that in a minute. Sheena, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Excited to have you here. Uh, I always start out trying to find out where people are from. I think you're a native of this area, am I right? I am. Actually, I was born in Cape Coral, Florida, and I was raised there. So I have been here nearly my entire life, moved away for a little while to go to college, and then just came right back. Was that up into the middle of the state somewhere? Middle or? of the state, UCF. Okay, so that's Orlando, right? Yes. For those who don't, and national champions this past year in football, right? We like to think so, yeah. <laughs> we can, Very funny, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a little talk about that. We'll, we'll get back to that. Describe to people that haven't been to the Gulf Coast of Florida, just kind of tell them what, what it's like here. Well, it's extremely hot, Bill. It's uh, record-breaking temperatures pretty much every single day, but it is gorgeous. I mean, you can't have it all in paradise. So if you love to live by the water, we have plenty of that everywhere. It's sunshiny. It's palm trees. Uh, it's bright. I personally can't imagine living anywhere else, but I was born here. So when I try to live in other places. I find that the weather is nearly unbearable. It's either way too cold or way too dry or any of those things. So maybe I'm just stuck here. Yeah, That's a weird question. I not, wasn't prepared for that one. What's not, it like here? It's hot, Bill. Not a bad place to be stuck. I agree. <laughs> I mean, we relocated here so, uh, and we're not going anywhere either. We love it. We're a little north of here, but it's just gorgeous on the coast. We love it. Except for one thing. We moved here and we were told that, oh, hurricanes never hit Tampa. I live up in the Tampa area. That mm-hmm. There's some Indian burial ground or something that some force field that keeps the hurricanes from hitting Tampa. <laughs> and in September, our first year, uh, Hurricane Irma decided to pay a visit. And I 
I learned a lot about hurricanes. Um, I learned some things I don't like. I learned some things I think that aren't true. I want to ask you, as a native, you've been here your whole life, you've been through hurricanes, what are the myths about these hurricanes? What should I worry about? Help help school me on hurricanes. Yeah, okay. So I'm not a meteorologist. I didn't go to school for this, but like you said, I've been here my whole life. So I've seen plenty of hurricanes. I was a toddler when Hurricane Andrew came through. Um, I was a teenager when Hurricane Charlie hit, and we were in Port Charlotte at the time. And then I had just bought my first house when Hurricane Irma hit. You can ask anybody who grew up in Florida, like, we don't really fear hurricanes. Like even Irma, I got to be honest, until that baby hit a five, we were not concerned like us Floridians. I knew people who were packing up their houses as soon as they heard like water was going to touch the ground and they had to be out of here. And I think it's just relative. Like if I were up north and they said it was going to snow today, I would assume I don't have to go to work. I don't have to do anything productive. I can stay in the house and just hide and like warm myself. But people are going to school and going to work and snowstorms and stuff. It's the same for us. We hear the weathermen going off on their Super Bowl tangent of doom and gloom. And we're just like, man, it's, it's rain and wind. Just calm down. And everybody else is freaking out. So I don't know. I uh, definitely get your water, get batteries, get your hurricane kit ready. Cause you don't want to be out there in the craziness with all the scary people who are from New Jersey thinking they have to empty the Walmart and the Publix and the Home Depot and the Lowe's and the flea market to survive this thing. It's you don't, you're going to be okay. Get some water, get yourself a hurricane kit. And you know what? Go with your gut. If you're living on the water and you feel like you need to get out of there, get out of there. But I'm personally not leaving until the governor says that you need to go. If they issue a hurricane warning, you need to get out of there. But otherwise, just just calm down. It's going to be okay. You're, you're kind of preaching common sense. I think that's a good thing, right? I think so too. Yes. It does sound like common sense. Yeah. But I think in times of catastrophe, we all kind of lose our heads a little bit. And again, if if I were in different terrain and a blizzard were coming, I'm sure I would be like, we need to move to Mars. It is going to snow. What are we going to do? My blood type can't handle this. What is going on? Right. Right. Okay. All right. So I, I think I'm better prepared for the next one that heads our way, but I'm still pushing for 2024. There you go. Okay, good. I don't think real estate was on your radar for a career, let's say in high school, right? What did 15-year-old Sheena want to do? 15-year-old Sheena wanted to do a couple things. I, Since I was really little, I always wanted to be a news anchor, believe it or not. <laughs> and thankfully, I did not go that route. But when I was graduating high school, I found that I was really, really great at the sciences. And I really wanted to go to UCF for chemistry. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with that. Uh, but I did start that way. And then I was the girl who changed her major like every semester. I took teaching classes. I took marketing classes. Maybe I could do pre-med for a little while. Maybe I want to be a dental hygienist. So every, honestly, every semester I was changing my major to something new. Yeah. What did you finally come out? So you went to Edison? Look like Edison's a local a state college, correct? Right. Yes. And, and then you, but then you transferred to UCF, got your degree there. Actually, it was the other way around. Oh, okay. I had a scholarship right out of high school, so I went straight to UCF okay. when I graduated in 2006. And not sure how much you remember about 2006, but that was the beginning of the end for the economy. So by 2008, uh, the economy had completely collapsed. Everybody had lost their jobs. Us college people, our parents. Everybody was losing jobs. So a lot of us had to come home and it was still extremely important to my father that I did 
keep going to school and continue to look for jobs. So I just moved back in with him in 2009 and I went to Edison, got an associate's degree in just general studies for the work that I had done at UCF. And then I got a second associate's degree in paralegal studies because I figured that would be uh, not only something that I'm really good at, but something that could get me a job probably in any economy. I was hoping anyway. And so that's kind of how that kicked off. And that leads us then to your entry into the legal side of things in the world of real estate. I th- is, that, is that a fair assessment or were you just working as a paralegal on other things? Right. So my first job as a paralegal, I was actually in family law, which is okay. divorces, child custody, all of that joyful stuff. Yeah. And then honestly, it just put my heart in such a condition and I had a very unusual working situation to where I you know, went out to seek other employment and I got hired by a real estate attorney. And so I started working from uh, for him and he just taught me from the ground up, literally from here's how you go to LIPA and LITC and this is how you check the tax rolls and that sort of thing and taught me everything I know uh, about real estate up until that point. And then I ended up finishing my bachelor's degree in business development just to kind of help with the business and move things along because it was just the two of us running a real estate law firm and a title company. Which he owned, right? His own Correct. Those were all his businesses. I was just the help. So how do we get you at Fidelity? How does that happen? So as technology gets better, criminals get smarter and they get uh, more crafty and using different forms of technology. And so because we were just a mom and pop, so to speak, um, his atetta was way up on Uh, different scams and fraud going on in the industry. And he just thought it was a better business move to kind of dial back for a little while, go back to practicing law, maybe retool his security and things like that on the title side, and then maybe reopen up later on. Um, So that created a little bit of a situation where we had to go down to just one employee. And so the other paralegal and I kind of decided, I was like, you know, you just started here and there's a lot to learn here. And I know that because I just spent four years soaking in basically a law school education from this man. And you still have an opportunity to do that. And I think maybe I would have a better chance launching my career further if, if I go. So there was no animosity and we're all still great friends. Everything's good. We refer business back and forth and things like that. But, um, Fidelity actually called our office and said, Hey, does anybody over there need a job? And I said, yes, please. I need a job. So I met with Kathy Mansiple and we hit it off and I love Kathy. We have a lot in common. And, uh, she, she put the word in for me to the big Kathy up in Tampa and, uh, the rest is history. I worked there for two years and absolutely loved it. It was such a great team. Yeah, it really is a marvelous operation. Um, into that new space on Gladiolus and 41, I, I love I love going in there and seeing that entire team in operation. A big them. operation, 10, 12 people at times, right? It's 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 impressive. But you I mentioned in the opening, you do something that I just don't see people do. You decide that you want to become a realtor. And uh I have a ton of respect for somebody who makes that decision because you're going from what is a salaried position, maybe with a commissioner bonus based on productivity, who knows, like you know how that works. Right. But but then to then say, no, I'm gonna do it on my own. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I am a people person. I love people. I love to help. Like my heart is in service. And as much as I had a love for title, because I feel like generally you do find a love for the things that you do well and you do for a long time. So I love title and things like that. But 
just to be totally honest, I give the ultimate props to all the title agents out there because it is a very intense career to take on with very little reward on the face-to-face side. So outside of the closing where maybe you get to give somebody a smile or encourage them or congratulations on your new home, you're not getting a whole lot of face-to-face time with people, getting your hands in their deal to really help them make their dreams come true and, and make friends out of that. All the customers that I have had from selling real estate, they've become friends of mine. And I love that. Well, let's, let's talk about, I mentioned a side gig, which really is downplaying what you, uh, your passion. Just I'm going to call, it, I'm gonna call it your passion. Yeah. <laughs> the gig economy. I guess I was trying to be cool and hip and young, but, but let's, uh, you, I am fascinated uh, about your passion for comedy. And when I say comedy, I mean, stand-up comedy. You actually are a working stand-up comedian here in the state of Florida and who knows where else. And look, I feel like that, that job being a stand-up comedian has to be extremely difficult but at the same time, I could imagine it being extremely satisfying when things work the way they're supposed to work. Can we talk about that? Yeah, you you totally nailed the description of comedy. If it could only be in one sentence like that, that would be it. It's, there are times where, especially in the beginning, when I was new to the stage, I hadn't had a lot of time. I wasn't sure what material was working and what wasn't, what my voice was. Um, it's terrifying. It's you're beside yourself with nerves. I can't speak for all comics, but I can speak for a lot of them. It's nerve wracking. And sometimes so much so that I've been sitting at the bar 20 minutes before I'm supposed to go on thinking, why do I do this to myself? I am sick with nerves. I'm overcome. I'm sweatier than any female should be. And this is just not cute right now. And then you get up there and three minutes in to your set, the whole back of your mind and your soul is saying, this is why you do this. You're having a blast and people are laughing and being healed and forgetting about their problems out there. And, uh, you get to be a part of that. And it's, it's fun for us. I mean, the audience makes us laugh sometimes too, believe it or not. So (laughs) I like that. Let's, you, you must remember the first time you took a a microphone and went on stage. Never forget it. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget many of the times I took up a microphone and went on stage. They're pretty memorable times. They're either really good or really bad. Very rarely is there just like a neutral, just okay day on the stage. Doing stand-up, first of all, was never even my idea. My best friend when I was that girl in college constantly changing my majors, there's some panic in that, you know? So I'd call home to my best friend and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What do you think? Like, what am I good at? You got to help me out here. What am I going to do next semester? And she said, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to die a comedian. And I got so mad at her. I was like, stop screwing with me. That's not funny. It takes a special person to do that. I know you think I'm funny, but that's just you and me. Like that's, that's not the world. The world is not waiting on Sheena Reagan to come out and tell jokes. That's not a real job, Rachel. And so a couple of years go by And it was about to be her 21st birthday. And we always had this little pact that we were going to go to Vegas as soon as both of us were 21 and, you know, just kind of have a good time. And she said, all I want for my 21st birthday in Vegas is to watch you tell a couple jokes into a microphone and then I'll never bother you about it again. And I was like, deal, because I was sick of hearing it, you know? So I wrote a few what I thought were jokes. Turns out they were just sentences, but I (laughs) thought they were jokes at the time. And we call a bunch of places in Vegas and, you know, we're poor college students. So we went from like a Monday to a Thursday. We didn't even get the weekend in there. So we called a bunch of places and most of the mics were happening on the weekends, but we found one place that was going to do it on a Thursday night. 
So I called, I put my name in the hat. Her name was Karen. Gotcha, Karen. I'll see you in a couple weeks. This is going to be great. We get out there. It's our last night. I'm just totally sweaty and overcome with nerves. And I get up to the bar and I was like, Hey, my name's Sheena. I called. I'm on the list for the mic. Uh, could you tell me where all the comedians are sitting? And she says, there's no comedians here. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm the only one. And she's like, there's no comedians here. This is a some music open mic. And I look at the stage, there's a bunch of fat, topless, sweaty bikers just like jamming out on electric guitars. And it's our last night. Like there's no time to go book another gig. Like this is it. We're here and that's the end of it. And I was pretty devastated. Like I just told everybody at home, I'm going to Vegas to tell jokes. Everybody's waiting on the video and it's my best friend's birthday and all the things, right? So I'm in the parking lot and I'm like somewhat in tears and I'm somewhat ticked off and all this sort of thing. And the manager felt really bad. And he came out and he said, Hey, I feel bad that you came all this way and you were let down. Do you want to maybe tell a couple jokes in between the bands? We could let you do that. And I was like, yes, that would be amazing. So there was only like 11 people in there and they all moved their chairs to the front of the stage and they let me tell jokes for like nine minutes and uh, we had a great time and they were really, really sweet to me, but I was so traumatized that I didn't tell jokes again for a year. I just came home. I bought the comedy Bible. I started working out the exercises, started working on jokes and I was stuck. I didn't know where am I going to tell jokes again? Like I don't, I don't have any qualifications. I don't even know if I'm doing this right. So I had a breakup. Uh, we were dating for like three years and he just, this dude didn't think I was funny or cool or like any of the things classic, like story in your twenties. So I dump him and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start living my life the way I want to live my life. And I went out to a comedy club by myself and I think I'm super cool and foxy and all this. And there was nobody in the comedy club. There was like nine people and they need 12 to do a show. So the, the owner comes up and he's like, we're all your friends. If you find three of them, we'll still have this show. I was like, I don't know, man. I lost all my friends in the divorce. I don't know what to tell you. And uh, he goes, what are you doing here? And I was like, I was just hoping to find out when the auditions are for comedians. And just so you know, there's no such thing as an audition for comedians. Okay. They're open mics and stuff. Yeah. And he thought that was adorable. And just on a chance, he gave me five minutes the very next night at the Laugh-In. And they put me on for six weeks in a row. And then, you know, comics start seeing you and people start hearing about you. And you get on these little crappy shows at bowling alleys and pool halls and people's backyards and things like that. And it just starts to kind of take hold. But yeah, it all started in a electric guitar open mic in Las Vegas where I had no business being <laughs> against my will, might I add. The podcast is called The Real Estate Session. So I have to ask this question. Tell me you work real estate and maybe even realtors into your routine. It's my opening joke. But yeah, I I am slowly working in some real estate material here and there, but I've actually been booked for shows of all realtors in other counties. So I try to bring cultural stuff from Fort Myers or from their area or different things that we encounter in the business. I've got a ton on title of what it's like to be in title. And the realtors don't laugh, but the title agents appreciate it. You need to get your stuff out to the state title associations around the country because I guarantee you they would fly you around the country. You think so? To crack wise at uh, title association events. If yeah. you're guaranteeing that, Bill, I'll have you my marketing kit by the end All of right. the day. <laughs> Very good. I'll bring it back to real estate. Having grown up here 
has your sphere been a big part of you getting started as a realtor? People that you already knew, has that been a a big jumpstart for you? For sure. So my parents moved down here from Altoona, Pennsylvania many years ago. I think my dad and my mom moved down here right around my age to start their own business. Mm -hmm. They had Reagan Electric back in the day. So my dad's sphere was very large. And even as a kid, people kind of knew me from him. And then, yeah, growing up here and just, that's why you got to treat everybody good or at least the best you can and network and keep those connections and be friends. Because I would say my entire first year of real estate, which is not yet over, but my first year of real estate has been primarily selling for friends, family, and people who my friends have referred me to. So any strangers I've had, they've come from people who are like, hey, we know Sheena, you should go work with her. Right. Not Has it happened yet from somebody who's seen your routine or a set, and they, they afterwards they might have said to you, hey, by the way, you're in real estate too, can I ask you a question? Has couple that happened times. yet? couple times. That's interesting. Definitely. In fact, those people, I hand them two cards. Here's my comedy <laughs> card to come out to a show, and here's my real estate card if I can answer any questions. That's awesome. Uh, I actually host trivia on Tuesday nights at Big Blue Brewing in Cape Coral, which shares a parking lot with the Cape Realtor Association and my Myloff Abishan headquarters. So we get a lot of agents in there. I'm always, you know, making little jokes. If you need anything, just stop over at the next building and stop in and see me over there. So I try to connect those a little bit the most I can. So you're, you know, it's your first year in the business. Has there been somebody who's helped you, somebody who's been kind of been your mentor to kind of, as you move through this, down this path? For sure. So Bill Steinke, who is the previous president of the association. And he also happens to be a family friend. I married his son to his now daughter-in-law. We were very good friends at that first paralegal job I had. She worked uh, there as well. So we kind of got to know each other that way. And then it just so happens I was at the association doing stuff and I saw Bill and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were a realtor. And this is when I was still working title. So when I went and did my orientation. He was the president of the association. He sees me in the front row and he was like, you're a realtor now? And I was like, yes. He goes, we need to talk. I would love to help you along with your stuff. And I signed on with my love, Abishan, and he's my go-to guy for every single question I have. Wow. That's great. I think, I think that's so important, right? For somebody to be there to kind of to, to be that guiding light that's kind of you gets you going You must have a right mentor. Yeah. You must have a mentor, even if, especially in real estate, but anything you do, I'm a firm believer. Uh, you know, Ned Hale, when I worked for him, he was not just my employer. He was a mentor to me, mm-hmm. taught me everything I knew. Bill Steinke's the same way. I have mentors in comedy that do the same thing, that give you tips. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, how successful you are, how old you are, how young your mentor is. None of these things matter. You need somebody that you can spitball ideas with. You can ask questions to. You can check your own motives. You can check your liabilities, your legalities. There's just, there's things that your own eyes will miss. And it's who of you to make sure you have somebody in your pocket who can look out for you and help you along in those things. Good. You are very active at the association level, not only local, but state already. I mean, you really have embraced the volunteerism that I think a lot of very successful agents tend to do. They tend to be involved. So you're uh, the YPN chair for the Royal Palm Coast Association. You're a director on a state committee as well. Talk about that. Yeah, I am. I I love our association. It is cram-packed with great education. There's a lot of ways to get involved. We have great committees. I'm on several local committees. So I am the chair of the Young Professionals Network, which I love. We have the best team in the world. 
We do a lot of fun stuff, but we also do a lot of charitable stuff. Uh, we're planning a fishing tournament. That was a huge success last year. We'll be doing that again this year, and all the proceeds go to the Cape Coral Caring Center, which is our charity for this year, which is great. I also sit as a state representative for the Young Professionals Network. So we will be taking a team up to Jacksonville later on this year to do some workshops, get some mentorship, uh, get some things done on that level, and really just connect with other young professionals across the state um, to just sharpen our iron. We need to be with other like professionals to, again, check our motives, make sure we're doing good business, bringing innovation to our associations. We're bringing good business practices. We want to bring fresh life to the things that we do. And YPN is such a great resource for that. And uh, right now we don't have any age limits or certain requirements as far as being in YPN. So if you're curious and you want to check it out, you want to sit in on a meeting or you want to come out to one of our mixers, we encourage it. We would love to have you. I was also appointed um, a Florida director this year, which was a huge honor for me to receive. And that's been a giant learning experience as well. We've been going to, uh, we had some midwinter conferences up in Orlando this year where I learned a ton, got to put my hands in a lot of great things. I got to visit the national young professionals network. We got to learn about some of the amendments that will be coming up to vote on regarding non-homestead taxes being capped at 10%. That would be amendment two. Amendment two is for everybody. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, so just different things like that. I'm on communications. Uh, I've got my hands in professional development. So the professional development committee has been working with the Young Professionals Network in bridging generational gaps because we share common goals of having a smoother spectrum between our legends of 20 and 30 year professionals all the way down to the people who have only been in this like me for a year, maybe three years or five years where we have a lot of great things to bring to the table, but we still need to be working with each other for the greater good of the association and the community. And YPN, by the way, I'm in my mid fifties, but I'm allowed to come. There's no wage limit. Come on it's all down, mindset, though. right? Is that what I heard? I've heard that before. You're either young or you're young at heart. We're not even that young. I'm 30. I'm a regular professional. Let's be real here. But <laughs> we have a heart for just... A, reaching out to young professionals that need a place where they can find friendship, mentorship, professionalism, different things like that. We are a leadership platform. So the goal is when you start at YPN, you are going to end up in leadership somewhere, not just in YPN, somewhere in your association, somewhere in your community. We really try to make that the focus of our group. So we have, uh, I wouldn't dare guess the ages of some of the people in our group, but they're not 21 anymore, and neither am I, and that's perfectly fine. So you're more than welcome in our in our group. Sheena, I've had you here the half hour I asked of your time. So I'm going to give you the same final question I've asked every guest before you on the podcast, and, and that is, what what's one piece of advice you would give a new agent just getting started in the business? One piece. Okay, my one piece of advice is probably going to be a run-on sentence because you definitely need a few things to start we hit the first one. You definitely need a mentor. Find somebody who knows their stuff that you like, not just like somebody brilliant or your broker, somebody that you have a friendship with that you that you can stand to talk to a lot that you don't mind coming to your problems with that you can from time to time admit your guilt to or admit that you don't know what you're doing. You need a mentor. Somebody who's going to point you the right way. Also, just stay positive. It's a scary thing that you're doing. When I made the jump into real estate, the day in between me leaving Fidelity and starting at my new brokerage, Hurricane Irma hit. And so 
I was scared for many reasons that weekend. And there's a lot of people around you saying, oh, but there's 7,000 agents at our board. There's 15,000 in Southwest Florida. Oh, you need a ton of money to start. Or, oh, if you're not in the game for 15, 20 years first, you're never going to have a database or you're not going to be able to launch in. Those are lies. Those are those are lies based out of fear and you just push those out of your head. You stay positive, your personality, your endurance, and your knowledge will carry you as far as you want to go. And it's up to you. It's a simple business. It's not easy, but it's simple. So as long as you're working hard, doing what you're supposed to do and taking the advice of your mentor, you shouldn't have any problem getting started in whatever your dream may be. Sheena, thank you so much for your time today. It was really a lot of fun to talk to you. A lot of fun, Bill. I didn't really, I didn't get get a chance when you were at Fidelity to have this deep of a conversation. This is wonderful. If uh, people want to reach out to you or maybe see some of your work, what's the best ways for them to find you? Okay. So if you want to find me, you can uh, check out anything comedy related either on Instagram or Facebook under Sheena Reagan Comedy. Go ahead and friend me personally if you want. Uh, my name is Sheena Reagan, Sheena like Easton, Reagan like the president. I work at Myloff Abishan Realty Group in Cape Coral. So feel free to give us a call. Shoot me an email at SheenaReagan at gmail.com. I'd love to talk to you. If you have any questions about following the dream, buying your dream house or anything in between, I'm here for you. Thanks a lot, Sheena. Thanks, Bill.